Hello. Well, welcome this day that uh, Ohio State lost to Michigan. Uh, we're all here. I'm, you guys, I'm sure, are here mostly to make amends with God with whatever you might have said on Saturday afternoon or done or thought because Jesus knows. So, but uh, it's good to be together and it's fun to be together. And if you're a Michigan fan, Jesus loves you, even his enemies, he does. And so, uh, but we're glad that you're to welcome everybody online and at Montrose. Thanks for joining together. Um, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the Christmas programs, and I just want to lean into that a little bit. So, uh, this year we're going to be able to do s- something different that's exciting. We're going to be able to have Christmas in the, the gymnasium at Gent Road. Super excited about that, and because of that, uh, you're going to be able to do something that we haven't really been able to do a ton in the last few years, and that is invite anybody and everybody that you want uh, to come to Christmas. So hope that you will do that, that you'll invite family and friends and get them connected. If you usually watch online, I hope that you come in and, and come to the programs, even fly in, some of you, and uh, come join us here in Akron and uh, and be a part of that. And we really, really try hard at Christmas to make uh, the gospel, the, the story of Jesus, very, very clear. And so uh, it's a great time for us to kind of work together and interact together. I know that you're praying for folks to know and love Jesus. Maybe you're three is what we call that sometimes. And we will work really hard to make sure that Jesus makes a lot of sense and he's put on display and all that. And so I just want you guys to take advantage of it. So get those programs kind of on the calendar and, uh, and kind of get those ready and then invite away. And then we'll be, uh, we'll be over in the gymnasium. And that's going to be a lot of fun to do that and to, to see all that play out. So we're looking forward to it, okay? All right, we've been in this series uh, last few weeks. We're going to wrap it up uh, this weekend. And this series, Talk to Me as a Friend, uh, is a response to uh, something we did earlier in the fall. So we did a series called uh, Breaking the Cycle. And we talked about in that series, how to deal with your pain, your past, and your problems. And we just kind of walked through that so we could break the cycles that are in our life and live the life that God has has called us to live. And uh, the last weekend of that series, we gave an invitation and we said, hey, if you want to uh, write down these areas that you're struggling with, that you wanna kinda have a memory marker that you surrender to Jesus and this is where you looked and really know for sure that you invited him into that nuance of your life, do that and then we, we brought those forward and we put them at the, the foot of the cross. And uh, when we did that, it was powerful. God worked through, a, through that conversation in a big way. And we were uh, looking at those things that you put at the foot of the cross and just kind of praying over them. They were all anonymous, so we're just kind of praying for you and praying over them. And we saw that there was kind of a pattern to some of the things that were like really, really difficult for us. And so we shifted gears and said, let's put this series together, talk to me as a friend, and address the things that kind of surfaced in, in that pattern or the most common things. And what we saw in there uh, was we saw uh, issues of sex and sexuality, the big struggle point in our life. And so uh, Pastor Josiah talked to us about that a few weeks ago. And then we saw uh, issues with anger and issues with like relationships, in particular family relationships. And Pastor Joe talked about that with us for the last couple of weeks. And then the last one is the one that I wanna talk to us about this weekend, and it was issues surrounding grief. Like I've had a loss in my life, and I feel stuck or I feel trapped in that place, not sure what to do or how to respond to that. And I wanna, I wanna try to walk you through that a little bit from God's word uh, this weekend. So I wanna talk to you about grief a little bit, but I wanna kinda lay down some parameters for it because I think it's important before we jump into this conversation to kinda frame it up for a second. So uh, I wanna say this to you. Grief is an interesting thing because there are many sources of grief. So we tend to think of grief, it's kinda of normal that we would think about it in the death of a loved one. As somebody we love is, is passed from this life to the next and we would grieve that and that's true and obviously and really, really important. But that's not the only source of grief in your life. Uh, so grief can be the death of one that we love. Grief can be the death of a dream. Uh, some of us have lost a marriage. Some of us have lost uh, an occupation. Some of us have lost our health. Uh, some of us have lost like a desire we've invested our whole life in and then we weren't able to 
play something on the next level or to pursue something the way that we wanted to pursue it. And so we would grieve the death of that, that dream. Uh, grief can be the death of a relationship. Uh, so you think of friends that you used to have or when you had to move across the country and start over again and you grieve, you would look back and say that, that affects me or hurts me when I think back about that time. And grief can be tied to a loss of security or a loss of certainty. So you can look back and say, I remember when things were stable. I remember when my health wasn't in question. I remember when my career was going a certain way. And now I've lost that and I'm out of that place in my life. And now I'm in this place of uncertainty or instability and I grieve that. So grief is kind of a broad thing and we could put out other examples but we can be marked by those things in very, very deep ways. And as we were kind of talking to everyone about like what are the things that really is kind of hard for us to surrender to Christ or to kind of live in a victorious way in our relationship with Jesus, that's where grief played in. Like I'm stuck here in this relationship. I'm stuck with this loss or this death. I'm stuck with this thing going backwards. And when we talk about grief, we don't usually use the word grief. So the way that grief presents itself is it will present itself as regret. So we'll say, I look back and I regret those things. I regret, if we had never made that decision then. Um, grief comes out as depression. Like I'm really discouraged, I'm really depressed, and, and I can't seem to get my head back above water. Grief comes out as anxiety. Uh, it comes out as anger. It comes out as defeat, like I've lost purpose. I've given my life to that, it blew up, and now I just don't care anymore. It comes out as denial sometimes, and it comes out as isolation. Like I'm just gonna withdraw and be by myself and not interact with anybody around me. Uh, this is, this is kind of what I want you to get with this, because I think this is really important. As we're gonna have this conversation, I'm gonna try to walk you through some things. Some of this stuff is gonna hit you directly and hopefully help you, and then some of it you're gonna think of somebody else because you're gonna look at all the stuff we just talked about and say, yeah, that, 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 and that. As we think about that, we think about helping and loving each other as, as we go forward with this. This is what I would want you to understand. It's important that grief is extremely personal. And so the way that you would process grief is the way that somebody else would process grief. Uh, what feels like a, a menial loss to you is a massive loss to someone else. Uh, you might have recovered from something and somebody else is stuck. And so when we talk about grief, especially when we talk about like loving each other through grief and even pointing each other to Christ, grief is one of these conversations when you think about others involved, it requires a lot of grace, a lot of patience, a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding so that we, we don't push each other or accuse each other. Like, why can't you get past this? But instead, we can come along beside each other and do what Jesus said when he said, bear one another's burdens. We help each other through, through these times, right? So let's talk about this a little bit. Grief is something that's interesting. Uh, the very first time that I experienced grief on a deep level was actually when my mother-in-law died, when Heidi's mom died. And I had never lost someone close to me that I remembered. My grandparents would have died when I was really young and I don't really remember them that much. So when Heidi's mom died, I remember that loss and felt that very deeply. Kind of navigated that kind of on our own and just kind of figured it out. And then uh, a few years after <coughs> uh, she died, my parents died, and uh, my mom and dad lived with us. My dad died 15 years ago. My mom died 14 years ago, and when my mom and dad died, it kind of compounded upon itself, which is one of the things that grief does. Uh, grief usually winds up making a one large stew, so the loss of our, my mother-in-law, Heidi's mom, then the loss of my dad, then the loss of my mom, and now suddenly grief feels overwhelming. When my mom and dad died, that's the first time that I felt overwhelmed by grief. And I was a person that would have thought that I kind of knew how to walk through it. So I had been a pastor by then for 15 years, had walked with many people through the loss of, 
marriages, through the loss of dreams, through the loss of health, through the loss of loved ones. It was kind of a normal part of what I did. And I would have felt like I gave them good wisdom, that I was like tactful and personal and loving and all those kind of things. So I think I, I thought when it happens to me, I'll know how to navigate it. What I found was that that wasn't true at all. <laughs> uh, that I really didn't know how to navigate it and that along the way, nobody had really taught me how to navigate it. So I would have been kind of taught that, that when you have a loss, you put your faith in Jesus. And that's true, but nobody really taught me like what that meant or how that played out. I would have been taught to, to take like peace in the fact that heaven exists. Well, they're in heaven, so they're safe and they're sound, and because they're safe and sound, you should, you should kind of feel good about that, which is true, but I didn't know how that played out in my life either. I would have been taught that you have to move forward, like death is a part of life, so kind of suck it up, buttercup kind of a thing. Like, like you, this is, you just gotta grow up and like deal with it a little bit. And I would have been taught that, that you just shoulder that, you have enough faith, you trust in the promises of God's word, and that'll, that'll get you through. And that's kind of what I knew personally about grief. I never knew and did not understand that grief would cause deep anxiety. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that grief would cause confusion in my emotions, that it would cause like a, a hurricane in my emotions. I did not understand that on a personal level. I would have struggled not to blame the people around me for their indifference. Like my life blew up and you're celebrating Christmas. Like I, did, I didn't understand how that could cause a relational tension in all of that. Uh, I didn't understand that my emotions would come out as anger. That there was, I would have not thought of myself as like this hot-headed, angry, fly-off-the-handle guy. So I didn't understand that that was being driven by a lot of, of grief. I did not understand that I would want to isolate, that I would have loved to like go somewhere and start over and just get away from all of the the pain. I didn't understand that I would feel defeated and impotent to help and lead and protect my family. Like it would have never crossed my mind that my children would be hurting deeply and I would be incapable of helping them because of the pain in my own life. I would have never thought, I never thought that I would feel like as much of a hypocrite as I did because I would have I knew that like my life was kind of like out of control, my emotions were out of control, but like I still had to teach on the weekend. So I'd kind of pull it together and throw out a sermon and then go fall apart again. And I did that for about two or three years. Uh, my dad died, my mom died 53 weeks later. And so we kind of got a bam and a bam. And, it, it, and then Heidi's mom had just died. And so it like overwhelmed me personally. And I had never been in that spot before. I'm not an easily overwhelmed person. And I had never felt or experienced or walked through something on that level. And what I found was that nobody really, people loved me for sure, people loved me. Nobody really knew what to do for me. And so you get all kinds of terrible counsel when you're grieving. People will say, well, um, you know, you just need to keep yourself busy. That's a that's terrible counsel, like ignore that. But that's what people would say to me, let's, let's go do something. Uh, they would say, you gotta keep your mind off of it. You should get a hobby. That's a terrible counsel, like to keep your mind off of it. And then people would say, you need to trust Jesus. And I'm like, I, I do, but it doesn't seem like it's working is what I would have probably said. Like, I don't distrust Jesus. I'm not angry about all these things. I just don't know what to do about it. And all of these things keep coming up. So no one really taught me. I had never really experienced it before in my life. And I was kind of overwhelmed with an anxiety. I'd never had anxiety before, had no idea. Like, I would lay in bed, my mind would race, and my heart would race. I didn't know that was anxiety. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I felt, I thought I was depressed Never really been depressed before, and but I like can't make myself go, which is just not 
me, you know? And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I actually went to the doctor, and I looked at my doctor, and I said, hey, I think I'm depressed. She was very kind and, and very helpful. And she kind of spent time with me, and she said, you know, maybe we should put you um, on some anti-depression medicine. And so I looked at her, and I said, doc, I said, I'm, I believe that that medicine can be really helpful in the right circumstances. I don't, I, it didn't feel right to me. And so I said to her, I said, I, I think I want to try some other stuff first. And she actually said to me, she says, you have one month. <laughs> she said, you're going to make an appointment. You're going to be back here in one month. If you're not better, then I'm going to intervene. So I was like, yes, ma'am. And, uh, and I left the office, and I thought, I need to get some help. So I made a phone call, and who I called was Bishop Joey Johnson, who's the pastor at the House of the Lord. He's a friend of mine, been a friend for a long time. And I called Bishop up. I said, hey, Bishop, like, I'm not doing good, man. I'm in trouble. And that guy, man, he, he like dropped everything and ran to me. And we were together within 24 hours. And I'm sitting there with Bishop, and he said, what's going on? I said, well... I think I'm depressed, I have anxiety, I can't keep a straight thought in my mind. I told him the kind of whole thing. And I said, I, I think I'm dealing with depression. And he goes, you're not dealing with depression. I was like, okay. If you know Bishop, that's kind of the way it works. I was like, okay. He goes, you're dealing with grief and you don't know how to deal with it. And I'm gonna teach you how. So I said, yes, sir. I said, teach me how. So he gave me a book, a book that I read. It was called, the book is called The Grief Recovery Workshop. And I read the book. The book is supposed to be kind of played out in a, in a group format. So he said, you're coming to a grief recovery workshop group I'm teaching. I said, I'll be there. And so I went there. And he was the first person who helped me know how to navigate grief. And not just like survive it, but like allow Jesus to glorify himself through, through the whole thing. Okay. So out of that came a passion that I have. And a passion I have is that you have those tools that I didn't know existed. And what I want to do this weekend, it's a little bit different. If you're our guest, it's a little bit different. But I want to, I want to walk you through uh, this process of grief. And I'm, I want you to understand, this is important. Ready? I'm not giving you a prescription. So you're not going to walk away and do these five things and you're going to feel better. That's not what I'm going to give you. It doesn't work that way anyways. What I want to give you is a pathway and a pathway that God will journey with you. When Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, he meant it. And so he will go on this pathway with you. And if you're struggling with grief, it could be a death, it could be the death of a dream, it could be the death of whatever, whatever is anti-life causes grief in our, in, our, in our lives. And so when you look at your life and you say, I'm hung up here, I'm hung up in this moment, I'm hung up in this loss, I think this pathway can help you navigate it, okay? So here's the things that I learned about grief as we kind of went through this and then things that I've tried to embrace in my own life. So here's the first thing I want you to know. Uh, the first thing I want you to know about grief is this, is that there is no right way to journey through grief, there's no right way to journey through grief. When you think about what you go through in grief, you have to understand that your journey is your journey. And this is important because if you read a book or you read an article or you see something on TikTok and, and somebody gives you these five steps, what happens if you think that there's these five steps then you think that you either are not mastering the five steps or if you're a committed Christ follower, you think, you're, you think your faith is weak. Because if you really trusted and you really believed and you really trusted God in all of this, then shouldn't you be through this by now? And what happens a lot of times is this, is when you grieve, especially when you're grieving next to somebody you love, when, when you have shared a loss, there's been a death in a family, there's been a divorce, there's been a death of a dream. What happens is this, if I see somebody grieving the way that they're going to grieve and I'm grieving the way that I'm going to grieve, I can wrongly assume that they're indifferent to me or that they're callous or that they don't care and that's not true. So we have to remember that there's no right way to journey through grief. Everything 
that happens to us, happens to us and we experience in our unique way. What affects you deeply does not necessarily affect another person in the same way or at the same depth, even though you share the experience. So I have to remember every, every path is unique. Now this is what I learned. Two things that I learned about this idea is this. One is I was not uniquely broken, I was uniquely me. So my inability to process and get healthy going through a grief journey, my two or three years that it took me to do that, did not mean I was weak, did not mean I was emotionally messed up, it did not mean that there was something wrong with me that I couldn't get right. It meant that I am the person that God made me to be. This is what the psalmist said. David says this, he says this by the way after the death of his son Absalom. He says, thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. And David acknowledged that we are complex and we are made that way by God. So pain, loss, grief hits all of us differently and it's not that you're weird or not that you're not strong enough, it's that you are who God made you. And your relationship with that person is the relationship that God made that relationship to be. You might, you and your family or you and your friends may all have the same relationship with the same individual. And let's say that grandma passes away. Well, you and your siblings are all gonna experience the death of your mother differently even though you had the same relationship. Every one of your grandchildren or her grandchildren is gonna experience that death differently because they are uniquely and wonderfully made. They're wonderfully complex. And so we have to remember that, and that's where there's a lot of grace and a lot of patience and a lot of understanding because it's a uniquely personal experience. The other thing I found out was this. I am not uniquely broken, I'm uniquely me. And I also found out that people trying to bear my burdens with me are also uniquely made. So what happens a lot of times in grief is we'll look to one person and say, you gotta fix this. You looked at your spouse and say, you gotta fix this. You look to your parents, you gotta fix this. You look to a friend, you gotta fix this, right? You were there when our dream died. You were there when that opportunity closed. You were there when there was the death of that loved one. You gotta fix this. And what I found was that there is no one person that can fix it, but God gives us each other. And Jesus says we bear each other's burdens. We mourn with those who mourn. We also rejoice with those who rejoice. We do that together. So what I found is in my grief journey, no one person could fix this, but I could put together a team. So when I was going through a time of grief, I found that my wife Heidi, she was caring for me, but in her way. So she was caring for me by making space. And my, my, my life is uniquely demanded upon. And so she would keep people at bay a little bit and make space for me. That was the piece of the puzzle that God used her in. Uh, the kids, our children, were, were helping me by giving me affection, which is a love language of mine. And so that was the piece of the puzzle that they could help with. Uh, Pastor Ezra, he was caring for me by bearing the burden of the church. So he, I couldn't work, and I couldn't work well. He was picking up all of that weight so that I could heal and I could have help. Pastor Ryan cared for me by confronting my behavior. He walked in my office, closed the door, and he says, I don't know if you know that you're being a jerk, but everybody else does. You know? And he said it more lovingly than that, but he's like, hey. So what happens when we grieve, God gives us everything that we need. The Bible says that. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. But it doesn't come wrapped up in one person. He gives us his word, he gives us his spirit, and then he gives us his people, the church. And the different people in my life, they are unique and they can help fill the different voids in my life as I'm going through a season of grief. Because that journey is unique to me and that means that that solution, so to say, is gonna be unique from the people around me. The second thing I learned about grief was this. I learned that grief comes in waves. Grief comes in waves. Uh, this psalm is one that David wrote after, after his son died. And he said this, he said, I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with tears. 
My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all the enemies. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. I will come to you for protection, O Lord my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. What you see here is you see a wave. David is looking and saying, I am overwhelmed. I am paralyzed by grief. And then you'll see him come up for air. But you, God, you hear me, but I'm crying myself to sleep. But you'll answer my prayer, but like the, the pillow is soaked with my tears. But, but I can't, you'll protect me, but I'm blurred with grief. But you're gonna rescue me. And wave after wave, and if you read the rest of that psalm in chapter uh, six through seven, you'll see he just kind of does that again and again and again. He'll cycle through those waves of grief because it's how they kind of splash upon us. So grief comes in waves. Grief does not come in stages. And this sometimes is where we get stuck and where we get a false guilt Because if we believe that grief comes in stages, what we think is, I go through stage one, check, I go through stage two, check, etc. And if I find the emotions from stage one are dominating me and I'm supposed to be in stage three, I must be doing something wrong. Well, it's not the nature of grief. Grief is more like a sea that we're on a journey on than it is a set of steps that we go through. And sometimes the waves of that sea are churned by a storm. Something, a marriage has died, a dream has died, health diagnosis has come in, and, and hopes and dreams have died, or a loved one has died. And there's a storm, and it feels like in that moment that I'm just in a hurricane, trying to follow Jesus and trying to understand life, and I'm overwhelmed by it. Other times, the, ra- the waves are rhythmic. Every Thanksgiving, there's someone missing at the table. Every anniversary, I'm reminded of the death of my marriage. Every time that I used to run the 5K, I'm reminded of my health diagnosis. And those holidays and those anniversaries, there's a rhythm to them. And grief comes at those times. And then yet other times, the waves are rogue. They come out of the blue and you don't expect them to hit you. I remember about, about two years ago, Heidi and I and the kids, we moved. And uh, when we moved, uh, we were just you know, kind of trying to move stuff in. Everything was chaotic. And I was in our barn and I was trying to get things organized. I was trying to get my tools organized so that I could fix this mess of a house that we bought. And so I'm out there in the barn. Uh, it's, it's fall and, and I'm just out late at night because I'm just trying to get ahead of all this stuff. And when I was moving stuff around, I moved uh, my dad's toolbox that he gave me. And when I opened his toolbox, the, the smell of the foundry, if you, you ever, if you know the smell of uh, metal and oil, if you, if you know that smell, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So my dad was a foundry worker, he was a machinist, and he smelled like metal and oil every time he, he came home. There's a unique smell to it. And so I opened the lid of this thing, and like that smell hit me, and when that smell hit me, I lost it. This is 13 years after my dad died. I lost it. And I'm sitting there in my barn in the middle of the night, like crying, not able to function. And I'm thinking, I miss my dad. I'm thinking my dad would love to be in this barn with me right now. He would love this property that we just bought. I'm never gonna get to show it to him. Out of the blue, in the, in the, for no good reason whatsoever, a rogue wave hit me, right? And that's how grief works. It's not even all negative because after I kind of got over the shock of that, I was like, I enjoyed the rest of the night thinking about my dad. It's not always painful, but it sure was out of the blue. I didn't know that was coming. So it's important because what happens if we don't realize that grief, it comes in waves, we think we're behind or sometimes we think we're doing something wrong. Like it shouldn't be like this. Time heals all wounds, which is one of the dumbest statements ever stated in the history of humanity. Because time does not heal all wounds. It actually doesn't heal many at all. 
It just allows you to function differently. But those wounds are there, and that pain is there, and it's going to catch you. And it doesn't mean you haven't trusted Christ. It doesn't mean that you don't put your hope in heaven. It means that you loved someone, or you had a dream, or you had a desire, or it's really hard when you thought life was going to go this way, and the doctor told you it's going a different way. It's grief. And it comes in waves, sometimes rhythmic, sometimes rogue, sometimes chaotic, but it's the nature of, of what it is. The next thing I learned was this, is that grief is a journey, it's not a destination. Grief is a journey, it's not a destination. Psalms 23 is one of my favorite things to talk about, and I think one of the most important things to talk about when we deal with grief. So the psalmist says this, this is the old KJV version of it. The Bible says this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And what I like to say is this, is that the valley of the shadow of death is something you go through. You cannot go around it. Uh, you can push grief down, you can deny it, but it, it will come and visit you. You cannot go around the valley of shadow of death and you do not build a home in it. You go through the valley of the shadow of death. And one of the ways that we know from your feedback that you're struggling is some of us are saying, I feel like I've built a home in the valley of the shadow of death. Like I cannot get past the failure of my marriage. I cannot get past the fact I didn't get accepted into PA school. I, I cannot get past the, the loss of my career. I cannot get past that I feel old now or that the health changed or that someone has died. And what happens is we feel trapped in the valley of the shadow of death. And the temptation is to build a home in a place that you are meant to pass through. The shadows in the valley of the shadow of death are powerful. They're powerful. The shadow of bitterness. I'm going to spend the rest of my life angry with the person who caused me loss. The shadow of guilt. I should have never, if I would have, if I had intervened then. The shadow of regret. It was, that's the dumbest decision we ever made. Why did we? The shadow of defeat, I give up. I'm done, no more. The shadow of a loss of hope, what's the point? What's the point? If this is what's gonna happen, then what's the point of moving forward with it? And this is what happens. If I build a house in the valley, the shadows will overtake me, and this is what you have to know. You with me here? The shadows are full of lies. The shadows are full of lies. And they're gonna lie to you. And this is what keeps us in the valley. The shadows are gonna say, hey, if you move forward, you're abandoning your love for that person and you're betraying your marriage vows. I mean, your spouse passed away. What business do you have remarrying? Your, your marriage, the dream of your marriage died. What, how could you ever think that you could love again or be free to do that? If you move forward and that shadow will lie to you and it will tell you that God doesn't want to lead you through that. He wants you to stay in it and allow grief then to become your identity. The shadow will lie and tell you that if you move toward joy, it's a neglect of love. How can, how can we ever laugh at Christmas again when they are not here? If we love them, then we would, wouldn't that, how, how, can I, how can I ever build a different life? It feels like I despise that old life. How do I do that? And the shadow, it's the, that's the guilt, the shadow of guilt. And it will lie to you that way. It will lie to you and tell you that moving toward healing is a numbing to loss. The fact that I don't cry about that issue every time now, the fact that, that you know, I don't cry about missing mom at every Christmas, that means I, but do I not care about mom? See, those are lies. 
and they're false guilts, and they lead to regrets, and they lead to us living in a place that is death instead of moving through that place to a place that is life. And when we think about grief, we have to remember that. It's a journey that we take. It's not a destination that we live in. And Jesus, he is the shepherd who will shepherd us through that valley. And he is with us, and he protects us, and he cares for us. And we are the ones that are tempted to stop. And Jesus would say, we have to embrace the valley of the shadow of death. You can't go around it. But we live in my hope and my victory. We don't live in this valley. Another thing that I learned about grief was this is that there is no return to normal. There is no return to normal. It's interesting what the psalmist says. Now remember, David is saying this after his son has died. And this is what he, this is what he says. He says, let the morning bring word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go, for to you I entrust my life. David is looking and saying, man, I'm in the valley. I'm overwhelmed by this grief. I want you to bring a mourning. I want, I'm dependent on your unfailing love to kind of let the sun rise, so to say. But my response to that is, you take me where you want me to go. And I will trust you to do that. What happens in grief a lot is this, is that we often pray for a relief from pain and we struggle to pray for a revelation of the path. We want out of grief. And boy, I know, we want pain to go away. So we'll pray for that. But what God would say is, I want you to pray that you'll see the path. The path I want, entrust your life to me. And let's try to understand where I'm leading you in all of this. I learned to ask this question in grief. And, and I had to be taught this, by the way. I didn't know this, but I had to be taught this. Here's the question. I learned to ask God why he entrusted me to carry this burden. Like, why do I, why do I have to do this? Uh, th there's a thousand ways, God, that you could have played out this scenario. Uh, there's, a, there's a thousand, why, why did my dream have to die? Why did my health have to fail? Why did, why did my loved one have to pass away young? So there's a thousand things you could, you could have done that you didn't do. So why are you asking me to carry this burden? Now that's different than saying, why God, you're a jerk, because I'm entrusting myself to him and his plan. So in that process, if I entrust myself to you, okay, then you have me on this path. What is it about me and the wonderful complexity that you made me in that you have asked me to carry this burden in a unique way? And then what happens is this, the answer to that question will help you find the purpose in your pain. So there's something unique that when I look and say, God, could you show me why you uniquely have me doing this? The answer to that question then shows me the path forward in my life. For instance, God, why did, why did we lose three of our four parents while we were young, in our 30s? Why did we lose three of our four parents? Well, the answer to that question, in part, is because it helps me help you. I often say with, with Heidi that Heidi and I went first. We went first. And part of how we redeem it doesn't answer every little question. It just lets me know some, part of how I redeem it and we redeem it is we, we help our friends who generally go through that process later in life than we did. And there's a unique reason why or a unique reason in part of why. Why God will look and say, the reason I ask you to do this is because I'm calling you to do this. And when you can start to find purpose and pain and redemption and pain, 
it's, it's amazing how the perspective on that pain shifts. And that's what David is doing. David is just looking at God and he's saying, I'm choosing to trust you. That's the path I'm gonna take with this. And I want to follow you with that. Doesn't answer every question, doesn't make all the pain go away, but it starts to bring a, a purpose to what we're going through. Here's the last thing I learned about grief. I learned that grief takes work. Grief takes work. I said this in your notes. The work of grief isn't to overcome loss. The work of grief is to believe in the one sent by God who is Jesus, who is the defeater of death and the conqueror of the grave. So the work of grief is not how do I feel better about my dreams dying or a relationship dying or a loved one dying. The work of grief is to say, I want to place my faith in Christ. And Christ is my victor. Christ defeated death and he conquered the grave. And I'm going to put my trust or my faith in him. And you see David struggle with this too. David looks, he penned this after his son died. He says, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help, he is our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. And what David says is we take these actions. We are making a decision to put our hope in the Lord. Not our hope in the relief of all pain or the turning back of a clock. My hope in the Lord. We put our trust in him. It's hard to trust God when you can't understand why he gave you the responsibility to bear what you have to bear. It's difficult to trust him, but we choose to do that. And our hope is in you alone. Our hope isn't in keeping our mind off of it. Our hope isn't getting over it. Our hope isn't, you know, keep yourself busy. Our hope is in who Christ is and what Christ has done. And I'm going to put my, my hope there, now listen, that process, that work, is not something that you do once. It's something that you do a thousand times. Because grief doesn't go away. Loss doesn't reverse itself. There is hope, there is joy, there's the power of Christ, but every time a wave hits the shores of my life, I'm going to have to decide to go back to Christ again. And I'm gonna to have to put my hope and my trust in him. A few years ago, uh, my friend died. And uh, my friend was a guy that I met with once a year. He was a recovering drug addict. He had been sober for seven years. And uh, he and I would have lunch once a year to celebrate uh, the anniversary of his sobriety. And so we're good friends, and uh, we would meet and talk about that. He had two boys, about probably six and eight years old, and uh, he'd talk about his boys, he'd talk about how he lived for them, he talked about his job, and like, he kind of got back on his feet financially, and life was on a roll, and, and, and he was just doing great. So I got a phone call one day, and uh, uh, the person said, hey, uh, his name was Dave, Dave died. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, Dave died. And, and I'm, I'm literally thinking, I'm like, was, it, was there a car accident? Like, what, like, how did he die? And they said, he overdosed. I said, what? Yeah, he overdosed. I, I have his sobriety coins. I'm like, what? He's been sober for so long, he worked at it for so hard. And Dave, in a, in a weak moment, in a, a time, and he... He opioids, he took a drug, and it overcame him. So I came to the church, we're having a funeral, and I come into the church, and I, I'm pretty upset and shaken by this whole thing. And I walked into the auditorium at, at Jet Road, and the, his boys, ugh, his boys like ran to me. And they just grabbed me. And they wouldn't let go of me. And I, I said, boys, I'm so sorry. Like, your daddy loved you so much. And, 
and he just, you were his world, and he just was so proud of you, and I'm trying to comfort these little guys that are just devastated. And this one little boy looked at me, and he grabbed my leg, and he looked at me, he goes, Pastor Jeff, he said, make it go away. Make it go away. And I kind of held it together for a second, and I you know, said something, and I kind of got them connected back to their family a little bit, and I left. I, I left the room, and I went out, and I kind of lost it, and I remember we had a pastor on staff. He's since retired, Dr. Fisher, and I bumped into Fish, and I looked at him. He goes, are you okay? I said, no, man. I said, Fish, I said, I can't do this anymore. Like, if I have to bury another friend or, like, look at another kid, like, I can't, I'm, like, done I don't think I can do this anymore. I just want to like do something else with my life. And Fish kind of comforted me and prayed with me and settled me down. And I kind of took a deep breath and and I came back in and did a funeral service and like loved on these kids and helped them. But I felt so powerless. And I felt so like overwhelmed with my own grief and then like my inability to do anything for these kids, right? Ready? Jesus looks at you and me and he knows that we hurt. He knows that our, our hearts get ripped out. He knows that we get broken. He can relate to that. He's empathetic to it. Jesus went through grief himself. His best friend died. He was betrayed. Relationships broke down. He was separated from his father. He, the Bible says he's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That's who he is. And at the heart of all of this, ready? Please listen to me without guilt, shame, or fear of disappointing God. Get out of your head that you're doing it wrong. So without guilt, shame, or fear of disappointing God, at the heart of all of this, Jesus came and gave his life and defeated death and defeated sin and defeated the grave so that we could live in victory. So what happens when we go through grief, we're like those little boys and Jesus says, come to me. Cast your cares on me. Cast your anxiety, come to me. And we run to Jesus and we grab him by the leg and we look at Jesus and we say, make it go away. And Jesus looks at us and he says, I will. I will. You have to understand that one day there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more grief. There will be the hope and the peace of heaven. There will be no more addictions. There will be no more broken relationships. There there will be no loss of dreams. There will be no bad health diagnosis. There will be no death. I came and I gave my life and I rose again to make it go away. And in the interim, there will be no tears in heaven but there will be tears here. There will be no loss in heaven, but there will be loss here. There won't be troubles in heaven, but in this time, you will have trouble. That's what Jesus said. But I am with you. I am with you. And I will never leave you or forsake you. And you can hold on to me, and I actually will make it better. I will make it better. Knowing that does change everything. Trusting that is a decision and it's a decision you're gonna make 10,000 times. But if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can equally believe in the resurrection of of your life and the relief of your pain.
And so when Jesus says, we don't grieve like those with no hope, he's not saying we don't grieve. He's just like saying, don't forget that I rose from the dead. When he, when he says for a Christian to be, pre, be absent from the bodies to be present with him, he's like, yeah, just don't forget that when somebody who loves me dies, they're just with me. Like, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna get a rogue wave. Just remember that part too. He doesn't say, he, like, yeah, your, your dreams sometimes are gonna die and they're gonna be affected because you're gonna have troubles in this world. But don't forget, in the life, the mortal life that's swallowed up by the real life that you were created for, the Bible says, all that goes away. Just experience all of it. You're gonna experience the pain, but experience the hope. You're gonna experience the disappointment, but experience the joy. You're gonna experience the sorrow, but experience the life. And our friend, the Bible says when we accept Christ, Jesus said, I no longer view you as my bond servants. I now call you my friend. I'm not your master anymore. You're a friend. Our friend looks at us and just says, hey, just remember all of it, man. It's all mixed together. And in the middle of it, remember all of it. And then take that great confidence that at the end of it, I will make it go away. And I will make all things new for you, okay? All right. Why you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute and the band's gonna come out. And I, they're gonna take us into a, a beautiful song. It's kind of a prayer declaration. And I just encourage you for a minute to like capture the moment. And we don't need to run off. You can wait on coffee and stuff like that. It's, but just take a minute and be with God. And maybe you have grief. And maybe it's bitterness, anger, like it shows up a whole bunch of different ways. But asking, inviting Jesus into that uniquely and asking him to help you remember kind of the whole of the story. The pain is real, the loss is real, but so is the victory. And so is the hope. So Jesus, you are our shepherd in this valley. And we need you. And God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we experienced a loss an hour ago or a decade ago. It still affects us. It shapes us. And so Jesus, we want to invite you into the middle of all that. We want to ask for your healing and for your help. We want to ask for the clarity and the power of your word. We want to ask for the comfort and the encouragement of your spirit. And God, in just in these moments, we want, to, we want to sing and remember and celebrate the rest of the story. We all know that grief is real. And we all have to trust that hope and victory and who you are and what you are is just as real but more powerful. So God, in these quiet moments, as we pray and reflect and worship, would you just meet us, God, in these very personal, in these very private places.